thankful that you've come to worship with us this morning. If this is your first time at FBC, I'd encourage you to grab the blue card and... Good morning, First Baptist Church. My name is James Figler, and I'm so thankful that you've come to worship with us this morning. If this is your first time at FBC, I'd encourage you to grab the blue card in front of you and write down some basic information so we can get to know you. On the back of the card, there is a place to put prayer requests. Anyone can write a request down, and when the offering plate passes here in just a bit, drop the blue cards in there, and they will get to the staff. Before we go any further in the service, we just want to take a minute and let you know a few things that are going on in the life of the church so you can know how to get involved. My first announcement is that there are all kinds of new women, men, and co-ed small groups starting on Wednesday night and Sunday night. These are great opportunities for you to get to know other people in the church by going through a topic-based study. For information on these opportunities, check your chronicles. It takes a lot of volunteers to make things happen on Sunday morning. One area we are looking for more volunteers is on the media side of things. If you are interested in technology such as cameras or sound, we would love for you to serve on the media team. No prior experience is required. Contact Greg Huff or Mike Casey if you are interested. My last announcement is our new Pray Give Go partner for the month, which is South Asia. We partner there with an orphanage and pastor school that works to plant churches and reach people for the Lord in their area. Our goal this month is to buy them 1,000 Bibles. The Bibles will cost $3 a piece, and you can pay either through the Secure Give on our website or by coming to the church office. That's all the announcements I have for today. Here at FBC, our vision is that every person would desire God, be discipled, and devote themselves to serve. One way, are, one way we are doing that this year is by doing a chronological reading plan as a church. Whether you've been on the plan with us from the beginning, or if you are just now hearing about it, I'd encourage you to pick up where we are and commit to studying the Bible with us. If you would like that plan, you can pick them up in our Welcome Center in the lobby outside the sanctuary. I pray that this service would play a part in that vision and help you live for Christ in your day-to-day life. Thanks. Good to be in the house of the Lord today, worshiping Him. And uh, today we get to kick off our, our time together with a baptism. Uh, this is my brother Aiden, and Aiden came to see me uh, several weeks ago now. And uh, we talked about salvation. He, he was here on a Sunday morning. He was uh, sitting in the sanctuary, kind of in the middle of the sanctuary there. And, and, and the message, uh, the gospel came to life for him in that time. And uh, on the way home, his, his parents asked, said, you know, you seem... Seemed like something was going on this morning. What was it? And and Aiden said that he wanted to give his life to Jesus and he wanted to get saved and let him be Lord of his life. So uh, Aiden came to the office with his parents and we sat down and talked. And and I love the Spires family and love uh, being doing life with them and, and this church and and just love to get to know Aiden better and, and hear his story and and how he gave his life to Christ and is trusting Jesus uh, for his life. So. Aiden, uh, Aiden would have told you all that, but he, he said, no, I'm going to let you do it, Pastor. So <laughs> he, he didn't get mic'd up. But Aiden, you've, you've trusted Jesus with your life. Is that right? And uh, you want to live your life for him for the rest of your life. You want to be committed to Christ and his call for your life. Is that correct? Yes. Well, brother, it's a privilege to baptize you. And uh, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're buried with him in baptism. Raised to walk in newness of life. 
Isn't that good, church? Congratulations, buddy. It's going to be an exciting time of worship this morning. I'll hand it off to Bill. Well, good morning, family and friends. So good to see you here today. And what a wonderful way to begin our worship time together with seeing one who has trusted Christ and following through in obedience by being baptized. A wonderful opportunity. Heard the earlier service and message. You're in for a blessing, too. So uh, as we... Pastor Scott brings a message from Job. I know you'll be, uh, we've been studying that these past couple of weeks and uh, having a wonderful message this morning on that and then Exodus tonight. You've already heard all the announcements, heard about the blue card. Let me just remind you to fill those out, place it in the offering plate if you're a guest and anyone who has a prayer request, if you'll complete that, put it in. It's a joy to, to pray for all of the requests we get on Monday morning as part of our staff meeting. So thank you for investing your time here today. I trust that you'll pray and open your hearts to what God wants to do in and through your life and through this body of Christ corporately. So at this time, let's stand together, greet those around you, and then uh, we'll uh, have worship music and uh, Greg will lead us. Thank you.
appropriate to clap because you have the joy of the Lord in you. Uh, that song does proclaim his glory. We want to continue with that this morning because we know that our glory comes from the cross and what he did at the cross. This next song is the hymn of the faith at the cross. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for the cross. 
we thank you that it takes more than, uh, or Lord, that it took more than just a, a grief and being sorry for what we've done. But, but God, for us to have forgiveness of sins, it came through your blood. And I thank you for that, Lord. And that just makes me want to know you more and to love you more and to worship you more. So God, I pray as we continue this next song that, that, that love and that passion that we feel for you because of what you've done for us would just be on display for you. Lord, as we worship, that our hearts would be turned towards you, towards your praise. And God, just empower our, our singing as we sing this morning. Uh, Lord, to, to minister to, to you, to minister to each other. Uh, Lord, so that, that we can truly experience that heart of worship. In Jesus' name, amen. When the music fades, all is swept away, and I simply come, longing just to breathe something that's a word that will bless your
I just pray that you'd forgive us. If there's anything that we've made this church service about that was anything other than you, I ask that you forgive us. Lord, whether that be our personal preferences, uh, the temperature of the room, whatever distracts us from you that we consider to be more important than to be in your presence right now, Lord, with our brothers and sisters, I just pray you would forgive us if we've made it anything other than about you. So, Lord, as we continue in this worship service, God, may we just be able to enjoy your presence because we are aligned, we are focused in on you and only you. So, guys, the choir continues to sing, minister to us, speak through Brother Scott as he he preaches in a moment. Uh, And, Lord, just speak to our hearts, Lord. Change our hearts so that we don't get out of alignment, that we stay in align with you and worship you with our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated.
Amen. Good morning. Oh, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Well, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Job. Job chapter 42 will be our text. You know, sometimes when I come together with the body of believers and and I've been studying all week and and uh, I've, I've read through, and I know the text, and uh, I've prepared in my heart for this moment. And the choir sings, and, and we sing songs, and, and all those line up with the message. And I'm sitting there getting it, and you're not. I mean, I understand that, because I've been studying it and thinking about it. And, and then that song just sings what I've been reading all week, and just lines right up with what God's doing in my heart. One thing I love about where we are as a church right now is we're reading God's Word together. For the majority of the people that are in the room, and and if you're not, let me just say a word of encouragement to you right now. To begin where we are, let's get together and let's read God's Word together. Because if you read the book of Job this week and, and you listened to that song, it just made sense. I mean, the song just comes to life because we sang what Job was, was saying, and, and we just, it, it all comes together. And the song before that, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing that I've made it. What is that thing? There's, there's things in our life that we make more important than God. And, and Job had made a, a, a thing or two in his life, made some points about it, and, and, and he came back and said, I'm, I'm sorry, Lord. I've made it something it's not. Let me just, let me get right with you. And, and as we come together this morning, we, we've read the Word together, and I hope you have, and, and, and we're going to read from Psalm 42. We're going to bring it all together this morning. We get to see the end of the book. Every story doesn't end, and they live happily ever after. But praise God, Job does, right? Job's been through a whole lot in his life. He's had a very, very difficult life. I mean, at this point, we, we've walked through the greatest destruction that a man could encounter. I don't believe we could write the storyline to where Job had a worse moment or, or week or month or year or however long that he encountered this process. I don't believe you and I, though we've had struggles. I mean, we have. You're sitting here today. You've had struggles. Your life's not a, a bed of roses. I mean, you're, you're, everything's not perfect in your life. It's not perfect in my life. But old Job, boy, he had a, he had a go at it, didn't he? He lost everything he had, everything except for his wife. And she said, won't you just curse God and die? I mean, what an encouraging woman. Y'all all right? Job 42, we get to hear how God brings it all around. And I want to focus in on six verses with you this morning. And I want to look at three things that can wrongly placed in your life can bring about horrific destruction. I want to talk about three words. I want to talk about power, pride, and position. And, and if, you, if you position those three words, power, pride, and position, wrongly in your life, they lead to destruction. So if you will stand with me. Let's read God's Word together. Job chapter 42, beginning in verse 1. The Word of God says, Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have declared that that which I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. Hear now, 
and I will speak. I will ask you, and you instruct me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore I retract, and I repent in dust and ashes. Father, we thank you so much for the privilege that it is to come together this morning to worship you and study your word. God, thank you for appointing a time for us to gather around your word, around your presence, uh, to worship you, to exalt you, to just get in your presence, God, and let you just deal with our lives. Thank you, God, that you're a God that wants to deal with our lives. You want to lead us to be all that you called us to be. I thank you for that, Father. So thank you for the appointed time. I beg you, God, for your anointing, the anointing that will make a difference in the lives of the people that you love without your anointing, Father. Nothing of eternal value will happen in this place. But I thank you, God, that you love us and call us. And we're here before you right now to study this passage of Scripture. Let us be open in our hearts and our minds. Let us willingly submit and surrender to you, allowing you to make a difference in our lives. You are King, King Eternal, and we come before you this morning. And it's in the powerful name of you, Jesus, that we ask this. And all God's people said, Amen. So, as I said, there's three things I want to talk about this morning. Power, pride, and position. Job, Job understands some things in his life. What he really grasps before us in this moment in this writing, he, we see that he begins to understand the power of God. Now, Job was a powerful man. I mean, just think back at his life. You, you look in, in chapter 1 and, and, and you read about Job. What we grasp about Job, what we can read from the, the pages of God's Word, is that Job was a man of great influence. Job, Job was a very powerful man. I mean, in his day, he was the bomb, okay? He, he had ten kids. He, he had a, a great house, a great home life. He had a great business life. He was very influential and i'm sure that others looked at him and, and thought great of him and they wanted to know him they wanted to be around him he was a man of great power and, and you say well how do you know that just one thing that we kind of judge in life is a man's success monetarily and job had it okay if you take just the low end i told you last week the low end of the value of the the livestock he had and you you evaluate on the lowest end that we can find today you'll find that Job was worth over $5.8 million relative to our day. Now, I don't believe that Job had the lower end of the livestock. I believe he had the best of all of that. I believe we could look to the high end of that, and we would see just from a monetary value that Job was very, very wealthy, and he had great influence. Now, money doesn't, money's not everything. We, we get that, okay? The love of money will, will destroy you. We understand Scripture to tell us that. But Job, just looking at his life, a snapshot of his life, he was successful. He was a man of power. He had, he had prestige among his peers. But there were things that happened in his life, occurrences that he encountered 
he, he found the end of his power. He came to the end of himself. See, Job, when, when he faced what happened in his life, when Satan sought to destroy him, and, and Satan was on a war path, okay? Satan wanted to wreck his life. And, and Job found himself. He, he was powerless to change his family. He had ten kids that he gave sacrifice for, but he was powerless over changing them. He was also powerless over saving them. They, they lost their lives. He was powerless over taking care of, holding on to his possessions. He lost everything, all of his possessions, in one fell swoop. And not only that, Job was powerless. And if you've ever been sick, if you've ever had a surgery, if you've ever had, had something happen in your life that was debilitating, you're going to get this. Job was powerless over his own health. I mean, his health was being stripped from him, and he could do nothing about it. So Job had come to the end of his power. He was powerless. Now, Job understood that. So Job knew, I believe Job really came to a, a beginning stage of recognizing the power that God had when he came short. He, he fell short and he looked to God. I, I believe Job understood that beforehand, but it's really being pronounced in his life at this stage. We see that uh, in, in verse 2, I know that you, and the you is capitalized there, speaking towards the deity God, I know that you, God, can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. So he understands God's power. He recognizes God is all-powerful. And we know, I mean, if we go back and we look at Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we see this spectacular, marvelous creator who created all things. He had the power to create. What have you created other than a mess? He created. God created. He's powerful. We've got an all-powerful God that created. And Job, Job sees that. And we, we understand that, that Job... Had a, as, he, as he walks through this, he's, he's gaining a greater perspective of God's power. You say, how do you know that, Scott? Well, look at chapter 38 if you wanted to, and, and just read from chapter 38 to chapter 39. And chapter 39 to 40, and 40 to 41. And what you find there is that God asked Job some questions. And, and to be precise, he asked him 64 questions. He says, you know, when, when have you caused a day to dawn, Job? When have you caused these animals to respond in this way? When have you brought anything to life and birth? But I have. I, I set the day. I, I tell it when to come about. I, I tell it when to end. I, I'm over the animals. I'm powerful. And Job is gaining a perspective of the power of God. And Job, Job gained that understanding, and, and you know, he, he, I believe he recognized that power well in advance, but he's gaining a greater understanding of that power. So not only do we see that Job recognizes the power of God, Job also recognizes the pride that he's had. So he sees within himself an issue of pride. Job has just engaged for quite a while, in a very long conversation with his buddies. I'm telling you, with friends like that, you don't need enemies. 
These boys are rough. I mean, just read them. They, they're rough on Job. They, they called him out. Uh, they, they accused him of this, this great sin and things that were going on in his life. But, you know, they, 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 they spoke from a perspective. They did. Job did. They spoke from a perspective as if they had everything figured out. They really did. They, that's the way their, their conversation lent that they knew what they were talking about. And they, they spoke very assertively. They, vote, they spoke very confidently as they were in their circle. And um, Job, he, he shared in that kind of that pride of, you know, I got this figured out. I got this. But Job rightly comes to the conclusion that he had made declarations that he did not fully understand. If you look at verse 3, it says, who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have declared that which I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me which I did not know. Job comes to the recognition. He said some things. He's made some very solid statements that he didn't really understand. And, and he was wrong about. He had a different perspective right now because he's, he's been through the hearing of God. God's spoken to him, and he's been very clear with him, and he's told him some things. So now, now Job has a very clear perspective of, of he had no reason to be prideful. He had no reason to think he had everything figured out. He doesn't have anything figured out. At this moment, he recognizes that God is all-powerful, and he is not. And uh, he he. he he recognized that. He came under, he submitted to that. He, he brought himself under that understanding. You know, sometimes from our perspective, we can think we've got everything figured out. We just, sometimes we feel like we, we got it, okay? And then other times we recognize, I didn't, I didn't have it. <laughs> uh, I thought I knew, but I, I, I really didn't know. Now, now I'm understanding. And, and you've been, have you ever been in that meeting where, boy, if I knew then what I know now, I would have done something different. I'd have said things different. I'd have responded different. You ever been with the person that, boy, they thought they had a handle on it and a grasp, and they were just talking so, so securely in themselves, so assertive, and, and you knew they didn't have a clue what they were talking about? You ever been in that conversation? Well, see, God had a different perspective. I was sitting one day, uh, it's, it's several years ago now, I was in Colorado, and I'd gone out there elk hunting, and, and we had been uh, in, in the mountains elk hunting. And we got up to about 12,000 feet one morning before daylight. We'd, we left early that morning and walked a long ways in snow about waist deep, and we, we'd tread our way to a, to a hilltop we wanted to get so we could overlook a valley because we were trying to find the elk. I mean, we were there to hunt elk. We had not seen an elk. So we wanted to see some elk. So we got a different perspective. We gained some altitude so that we could see. And when the sun came up that morning, I was looking out across one of the most amazing things I'd ever seen. I had been all in that valley. We had driven in. I'd seen the town from one perspective. I, I had a grasp of things kind of at this level. And all of a sudden, I was 12,000 feet high, probably uh, over three or 4,000 feet above this area, I could see to what my guide said. He said, that's Wyoming over there. So I could see Wyoming from where I was sitting. I mean, I could see a long ways. I had a different perspective. I looked down on things we had driven by, areas we had been walking, and I had a new perspective. I could see things more clearly. It all kind of fit together in a new way. I've said before, you know, sometimes we just need a 30,000-foot view. Where we can get a new perspective, where we can see how everything comes together in life. 
But a lot of times we're just sitting right here doing life at this level, and, and we got what we got, but we don't have it all. God grasped it all. See, I could see a long ways that day, but God could see it all. God, God understands everything. He, and he's telling Job, man, you, you've got a limited view. You've got a perspective, but don't get too prideful because you don't see what I see. And I want to fill you in on what I see. So he gives him that understanding, and, and, and we, we get it. So Job, Job says there, he says to God, after God has, has spoken to him and, and been so clear in his, in his conversion with a uh, conversation with him, he says, I, I've spoken of things and declared things that which I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. Here now, and I will speak, and I will ask you, and you instruct me. So earlier, God had said to Job, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll listen, you speak, you, you instruct me. And, and Job realized that's the wrong position for him to be. That was very prideful that he needed to submit and surrender to God and let the authority of God speak into his life. So he put himself there, and, and, and he, he humbled himself. And, and you know, we, we recognize that people are living in humility. True humility comes when someone will say, teach me. Though, though I'm, I'm, I'm this guy, I mean, he is a powerful guy in the arena of the world in which he's living. He, he, by, by our earthly standards, if, if there was going to be somebody that could be prideful, Job could make it there. But God's saying, no, 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 don't, don't miss this. You're not there. And, and he says, teach me. I, I want you to instruct me, God. So we see the humility in Job's life. The third thing we see in this text, we see in verse 5 through 6, is that Job takes the right position. See, I want to look at this verse 5 for a moment, and I want to think through this. There's a message here. In this text, there's a message, but we, we get to this verse six and uh, verse 5, and it says, I've heard of you by the hearing of the ear. So let's think about that. Job, Job says, I've heard of you. I, I've heard of you by the hearing of my ear. And, and I can remember growing up in my life, maybe you are very similarly, I never lived not hearing of God. I've met people that have never heard of God, never heard of Jesus Christ. I, I've met it. And for me, that's odd because I grew up in the buckle, buckle of the Bible Belt. You know, I grew up in the South where... We talk about God. We go to church. That's just kind of what we do, you know, and, and it's understood that there's a God. But here Job says, I've heard of you by the hearing of my ear. So I, I've heard of you. And we recognize he, he rightly, he had, heard of, he had heard of God. There's no way that we could look at chapter 1 and see where the, the book opens explaining and describing Job, he says, this man is blameless, upright, he fears God, and he turns away from evil. That's four qualities that are spoken of about Job. Blameless. That doesn't mean he's perfect, but man, there's not much blame you can bring against this guy. He, he fears God, he is upright, and, and he is turning away from evil. Now, those are characteristics that are not of the flesh, the only way somebody would have that as a descriptor in their life is that they've heard of God, they understand there is a God, they believe in that God, and they want to live for that God. 
Because we can look around the world today, you can look around this town today, and folks that have not heard of God or folks that have rejected God don't necessarily live that way. We wouldn't say that, well, that person, they're not a God follower, they don't believe in God, they don't have any, any religious basis belief, so they, they, they're just, they don't live, you wouldn't live that way. You just wouldn't, you would live for the flesh, and, and the flesh is, oh, P- Peter and Paul and James and all them boys talk about what the flesh does, and we could take time this morning to read it, but it help if you read some of that on your own to understand that the flesh usually turns over to some things that are pretty wicked. And, and that's just where we're drawn to. I mean, we got a propensity to sin, okay, and live opposite to the will of God, not, in the, not, not necessarily in line with the will of God. So here, Job had to have heard. We understand he heard, and not only did he hear, but he applied that to his life. We see that. But the next phrase, I've heard of you by the hearing of, my, of the ear, but now, there's something that's changed here, but now my eye sees you. It just stepped up a degree. I lived my life, I was raised in a you know, home where people believed in God. So I heard about God. I was brought to church. I, I knew about God. I, I knew how to go to church. You know, I, pretty much I knew a lot about church. And, and so I had a basis for it. I'd heard of God. And, and I lived my life pretty good, you know, in a, in a spectrum of, you know, kind of classification of the world's view. I was religious. I went to church. I, I, I knew you could read the Bible. I, I could pray. And, and I would pray when I, like, the wheels had fallen off the bus and everything was broken down. And I was like, this last moment, oh, God, please help. If, you, if you're really there, I need you now because this is a mess. That kind of prayer. You've offered up that prayer, too, at some point in time in your life. Maybe. Is that too much to speculate that we've said that? I mean, not, like, God, if you're real, man, I need you now. Kind of moment. Well, I'd live that way because I'd heard of God. But I'd not seen God. I don't, I don't know that I'd seen God until I was later in life. I got saved at 31. I tell my testimony a lot, and sometimes I feel like, boy, you've all heard it. But there's just something that as I was studying through this text, God said, I want you to tell them this again. I want, I want to walk back through this again. Because this is so profound. This is one of those... This is a moment where I can say, hey, let me show you. I've heard of Him with the hearing in my ear, but... I see him now, and it's different. I was, uh, I got saved, and I said at 31, and I really wanted to live my life for God. I had lived apart from God. I, I knew what it was like to live for the world and to live in opposition to the will of God. I know what that's like. And, and I, when, I, when I gave my life to Jesus, sitting in my house, uh, and, and I prayed that prayer, Lord, I've lived 31 years of my life for me. If you give me life and breath tomorrow, I'll live it for you. And honestly, God, I have no clue what that means. As I was being very honest with God, I didn't know what it meant to be a Christian. I knew what some people, how they live, but I didn't know what it meant for me to be a Christian. But I knew if I just surrendered my life to God, after I'd read some in the Bible that day, that God would take my life and he'd lead me. So he led me, and, and I was in business. I, mean, I had several businesses, and I was a part of one with my dad, and, and I sold equipment with my dad. And I used uh, my office every day as an opportunity to share the gospel. I mean, I'm telling you, if you came to buy a tractor or a mower or anything, 
before you left an engaging opportunity with me, I was going to tell you about Jesus. Whether you bought a tractor or not, you were going to know that what was going on in, in the life of this man that got saved. Because I, I hadn't gotten over getting saved. I was still excited about it. And I'll tell you, I still am today. I'm excited about what Jesus did in my life. And I wanted people to know about it. I wanted to talk about it. He was the greatest thing I could talk about. So I wanted to share my faith. <clears throat> and I did. Well, rocking on down the road, my life came to a crossroads when God called me to, into the ministry. And, and that was a huge ordeal. And I'm like, God, not me. Dude, I don't talk in public. I mean, let's, I'll talk one, two, three, but not, not this big, massive crowd. I would fall to pieces, God. I know, I call God dude. Okay, y'all all right with that? But I was like, really? I can't do that. And God said, yes, you can. And I've called you. So I knew my call because I was an old country boy from South Georgia. No, no biblical training. Yes, I knew who Noah was. And I, I think I had a few things figured out. I, I knew the beginning and I kind of knew something about the end. And I knew there was a heaven and I knew there was a hell. I, I, but I didn't know a whole lot more. Okay, so I knew in order for me to stand in a place like this, I needed to go get some training. I needed to go to seminary. And at 33 years old, that's really huge because I didn't like school the first time I went. All them years, I definitely didn't think I was going to like it the second time. But I knew I needed to go back. And my call to go back to, minister, to, to serve and learn and, and study ministry was a huge deal for me. It also meant I had to walk away from a family business. A business that... I'd, I'd been in for years, and my dad had kind of planned on me taking this business over. You know, it's the succession plan. It was in place. I was the man, and I was the lead salesman, and, and we, were, we were rocking and rolling. And I was like, i got to get out because I can't do both. And I had to go tell my dad that. And when I told my dad that, well, it just got rough. I mean, we were, my dad and I, if you could meet him today, uh, he and I are so much alike. And, and it's like oil and water when you get two people, especially when one thinks he knows everything and one knows a whole lot more than the other. I got those out of balance at times because I was young and I thought I had it all figured out. So we clashed. And at this moment, we really clashed because my dad and I didn't agree on my call. And, and we, got, we got pretty hateful. Just being honest, it got it got very ugly in our business relationship. So there at the end, I mean, I'm telling you, I could not wait to leave. It was it was a wreck every day going to work for my life. So I was there on my last Friday ever working, and with him, and I was like, I cannot wait for this day to get over. It was about 5:15. We closed at 5:30, and it never failed. Somebody was going to come in on Friday at 5:15 to look at a tractor, and most of the time they were just kicking tires. They weren't buying; they were just taking up time. And I'd be there till 6, 6:30, and it was just a bummer, you know. And I was—I look out there, and here, here this dude drives up, and he walks out there and starts walking around a tractor, and I'm the only salesman left there because Dad and I had a fight that day, and he's gone. I'm like, well, doggone it, I got to go out there. So I go out there. And this guy says, hey, I just bought 10 acres of land and a house, and I need a tractor, and I want to buy it today. I said, okay. And I said, here's the tractor we sell for that. And put this. And I was just, I was the worst salesman in the whole wide world. And this guy looked at this little tractor, and he said, that thing looks hot. And I was like, he's a, he's a mamby-pamby. Okay, this is, this is good. Uh, he said, I don't want that. He said, I want that cab tractor over there. And I was like, for 10 acres of land? You want a cab tractor. I think it's $100,000. He said, that's what I want. He said, and I don't want a little mower. I want the biggest one you got because I don't want to be there long. I said, 
Okay, cha-ching. I got one of them too. Um, hooked that up. That'll cost you about 15 grand. And then he said, uh, oh, and I can't get that thing up close to the house, so I'm going to need one of them, like, them kind of mowers, you know. I said, a zero turn. Yes, I have those. I said, I have a gas. He said, I don't want gas and diesel. He said, I may get them confused. I said, he's senseless too. In more ways than I realized. So I said, well, I sell a diesel model of that. It's just 15 grand. He said, I'll take that too. And I mean, I made the quickest sale, the biggest sale you could make in just a few minutes to a man that owned 10 acres of land. I'm like, this guy cannot. I mean, here it is. Let me back up. God's saying the whole time, tell him about me. Hey, hey, tell him about me. Because I've always at this moment tried to find a way to bring God on the table. And at that moment, I'm like, hey, God, he's more worried about his money than he is you. This isn't going to work today. Moving right along. So I made this sale, went back to work the next week, Monday, Tuesday, delivered the tractor, and kind of left the scene. And that was my last week at work. Well, I had a plan that year. I was, I was going to go to seminary. That was the plan. That's why I quit. And I knew that I, I needed some money for seminary because it cost money to go. And I'm like, I'm not sure exactly how we're going to pay for this, but I said, God, I got peanuts. I'm planting peanuts this year as a, a farmer. I farm too. And I said, I'm going to give you the whole crop. So me and God made a deal that the whole crop would be his. He would bless it. It would grow. It would be bountiful, and it would make enough to be able to pay for seminary. I'm like, we got this, God. So I go at it, and about midway through the season, the wheels are falling off the bus. Because it's not raining. It takes rain to make a crop in Georgia as, as it does in Tennessee. And it's not raining. It's dry. And my crop is dying in the field. And I go out and I sit in that, over that field that day. And, and I had a long talk with God. And I said, God, you missed this. You know, here's what we're supposed to be doing. This is what you're supposed to be doing. This is what I'm doing. You know, I, this is how I'm paying for seminary. I need, uh, I need to help here, you know. Come on. And uh, I got to the end of me in that moment because as I was trying to tell God what he needed to do, I recognized I was wrong. And I said, "Mm. wow, God. Here I am thinking I got to tell you what to do. And I said, you know what, God? I'll praise you in a zero. If I don't make anything, I'm going to praise you. That's just what came over me that day. And I was just learning some major lessons of dependence upon God and, and not depending on me anymore. Because I depended on me for a long time. So I was learning to depend on God. And it was a formative moment in my life. Well, fast forward to the end of the year. I'm, I'm gathering my crop. And I hauled several loads of peanuts to the plant and, and sold them. And I'm on my last load. I've just finished combining the field, the last field. And I'm sitting in the 18-wheeler and I'm fixing to go to the market and I, I was sitting there because I'm analytical. I knew exactly how much it cost me to plan all this. I knew exactly where I was at financially. I knew exactly how much they were worth. And, and I'm doing the math, and <laughs> it's a zero. I mean, I made a zero. I didn't lose any money. I had a lot invested. I didn't make any money. It was a zero. I just shut my truck off because I remembered what I told God in the middle of the summer. And I said, God, I'm here to praise you right now in a zero. This is the craziest thing I've ever done. But, um, Lord, I just got to exalt your name and thank you for a zero because this could have been horrible. I could have had to go look at my wife and kids and say, well, I lost a lot of money farming. And then I'd have been a real farmer because that's what a real farmer does, loses money. So I was like, you know, I, I can be a real farmer now. So I'm like, I made a zero, and I just praise God for a zero. You know, I got real fired up and excited, and I just had a Jesus moment right there. 
And, um, and I cranked up the truck and went to drive out the driveway, and my phone rang. And I know for some of you this is going to be foreign, but I had a flip phone. And we didn't have callers in. So if a phone number came up, you really answered it back then. You know, you didn't let it go to voicemail. And I looked at the number, and it wasn't in my contact list, but I answered it. Hey, this is Tom. Tom who? And he told me. And I said, you remember me? I said, yeah, I remember you. Um, I sold you that tractor uh, yeah, the last week I worked. Yeah. He said, Why, where'd you, what are you doing? I said, I'm hauling peanuts. He said, no, no, I mean, what are you doing with your life? I went by and you've gone. You've left the business. I said, yeah. Yeah, and I told him, I said, I'm going to seminary, and um, God's called me into ministry, and, and I'm, I'm going to preach. And he said, wow, dude, why didn't you tell me that? Uh-oh. Um, okay, so at the moment I've got to be honest. I've got to be a man of integrity. I said, well, Tom, honestly, the day that you came, I was really frustrated, and, um, you know, let me just eat a little humble pie here. God told me to tell you, because I always did. It was my norm, and, and I just didn't feel like you cared. I felt like you were so consumed with your money and, and what you were. I mean, I was like, who buys $150,000 worth of equipment for 10 acres in the first place? So I just really, I just didn't pay, I just didn't pay that any attention, and I just I passed it along and said, you weren't concerned. The, the money was your God. So I just, I mean, I'm just being honest. That's where it was. I laid it out there, and he said, dang, I wish you'd have told me. He said, but I've got to say this. I'm sorry that I gave that impression, and that was wrong of me. I didn't mean to. He said, now, God's really blessed my life. He said, and I have really experienced the outpouring of God's blessing. He said, I'm a deacon in our church. He said, I love serving God. He said, and every year, my, my wife and I, we give something significant to somebody to make a difference in their life. And he said, God woke me up at 4 o'clock this morning, and I had no clue what you were doing or why he put you on my heart, but he told me to call you and tell you I was paying for your seminary. Boom. God did that. Isn't that cool? I mean, I'm sitting there experiencing God right there. I mean, give him a hand of praise. It's him. I, I, I'm, I'm sitting there. I've heard of you by the hearing of my ear, God, but now I see you. I saw God work. I mean, I had this game plan. I'd eaten some humble pie. I was submitted and surrendered to God's will. I was desiring to walk after God, be the man God had called me to be. My plan had failed, and guess who championed the cause? God, to bring about His plan. And He did something that only He could do. No, no way. I mean, there was too many people involved. My family knew the situation. My mom and dad knew the situation. That man went that day and put every dime I needed to go to seminary in the bank and paid fully for my seminary. I mean, we're talking huge. I'm like, so I'm telling you this. There were many times in my life when this old boy said, Really? At 33, you're going back to school and get a master's? Really? Are you really, I mean, are you thinking with the right, you got all this together, are you really thinking in the right direction? Is this really what you're going to do? Because this is going to be hard. You've got to leave your family to do this, and this is going to be hard. Are you really thinking, son? And I had a lot of people telling me in the world, man, you don't need to go to seminary. You don't need to go to seminary. At that moment, I knew God had called me to seminary. I knew God had called me to preach. And my, pre my call to preach, my call to prepare would never be in question again. also knew that there was a living God in heaven they could only do something like that. So at the moment, I was convinced. Because I had not just heard of God. It wasn't somebody else's story. Now it was mine. I saw God. 
So as I sit here with you this morning, I understand that several of you in this room might have just heard about God the first time today. This might be your first opportunity to hear that there's a God in heaven that created all this. It may be the first time the lights ever came on in the house for you. And you might be hearing about God for the first time. You may have heard about God all your life. Much like me at 31, I'd heard of Him, but I didn't have a relationship with Him. At that moment, I saw Him. Now, you get the privilege to see God at work in my life and at the work at life, lives of other people. But it's not, that's not the end of it. If you position yourself in surrender, desiring and seeking God, He will let you see Him. Why do you say that, Pastor? Because God says that. First Chronicles 28. First Chronicles 20. My mind just went blank. I can't remember their text. First uh, Chronicles 28. Nine, I think, maybe. We're going to go with that for a moment, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong. The Scripture says this, though. If you seek me, you will find me. Jeremiah 29, 13 says this. If you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. I'm telling you, I don't know where you're sitting in your seat this morning. I don't know where your life is, what is coming around. I don't know what pains hit you. I don't know what struggle you're walking through. I know some of you. I know some of the struggles you're walking through. I can preach with love to you and say, there is a God in heaven that Job came to realize was all-powerful. He humbled himself and let God have that position, and he put himself in a different position. He said, I will retract. I love that, verse 6. Look at that with me. He says, therefore, I retract. That means I'm going to hit the brakes, God. I've been going down this road. This has been my desire. I've been doing these things. I'm gonna, no, I'm done. I'm taking my hands off of it, God. I'm going to let you be God. I retract. And I repent. Now, he's, I bet old Job's buddy was like, yeah, see there, he's repenting. Yep, that's good. He needed to. We've been telling him the whole time he needed to repent. I don't know that Job was repenting in the way that they might have been pointing him towards. But I know this. Job got under God and let God be God in his own life. And he, he positioned himself in the right place. He sat in dust and ashes. And what he's saying to God is he says, I am no better than the dust and the ashes I sit in. You, you are God. Can I tell you something today? Just honestly, heart to heart, me and you. I know there's a God. I've experienced God in my life in numerous ways. That's my story. And I could tell you about my story all day. And you could sit there and say, because I'm telling you, that's a wow story. Okay? And you can say, well, wow, wow, that's a wow story, Scott. But that's you and your life. Good for you. Can I just tell you, God's got a story for you. He says in... Jeremiah 29, 11, that he has a purpose and a plan for our life. And if you'll surrender your life, if you'll come seeking hard after him with all of your heart, God will give you your own story. He, he won't just let you hear about him. He'll let you see him. So I don't know where you are in your life today. I, I don't know what, what your major struggle is, what's, what's going to need to change for you. But I can say this, you're here today at an appointed time under the anointing of God to hear a message that should mean something to you. Job, Job was a man, very powerful. He had all rights to be prideful. And he had a high position. 
But he didn't use those three words in his life in that way. He put, God is powerful. He humbled himself, recognized he didn't need or have any place for pride in his life. And he positioned himself before the Lord. If you'll do the same, I'll guarantee you, God will change your life. He loves you. He created you. And he longs for a personal relationship with you. All you have to do is say, yes, Lord. I confess my sin. I want you to be my Savior. I need you. And you yield your life to him. And you can be saved. You may be sitting here today saying, God, I'm saved. I've worked that out with God. I've confessed. I've surrendered. He is my Lord. What next? Surrender. Continual surrender. You may get to a place like I got in my life. I didn't surrender that day, but I had to be humbled later. And out of humble surrender, God moves. God moves. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for loving us. Thank you, God, for the privilege to read the book of Job, to preach the book of Job, to glean a few things out of the book of Job that can mean a lot to us. Lord, you love everybody in this room, everybody in this world. You, you created us. You've got a purpose for us. And it's, it's your desire to see us surrender our life to you so that purpose can be lived out. God, may we make the first right steps right now to seeing that happen in our life today. Thank you for being a living, real God that we can know. Move in our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. You stand with me as God leads. You come forward. Hey, there's altars here. You can come pray. Ministers are here for you. If you want to get saved, please come down. Let's talk today. Set aside your pride. Set aside everything that would hold you back and just give your life to Jesus today. You move as God leads. We're here for you.
Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for another opportunity to worship together. Father, we're especially thankful for Brother Scott and the message you brought to us today. I just pray that we can use what we've learned, not only apply it to our lives, but to others around us that need it. Father, I also pray that as a church, we are eager and committed to studying your word together throughout the year. And that we continue to be moved by you and your word in our hearts. Father, also I just pray that as we go through life, that we all keep it in our minds that God has a plan for all of us. And that no matter how tough life is and how difficult things are and how hopeless it seems, that we know that God is there and we don't give up on Him and we lay it all to the side and trust Him. And Father, today as we come and bring our tithes and offerings, I just pray that we are cheerful givers and that we will see these gifts used in a way that's according to Your Word. So, Father, thank you for all that you do for us. We just pray that you continue to work in our lives. Continue to bless us and protect us. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Good morning, First Baptist Church. This month for our Pray, Give, Go, we are focusing on South Asia. Um, I personally have been to South Asia twice and seen the incredible work that God is doing. He is literally raising up church planters and causing an incredible movement um, in the country that we partner with. And so this month, our goal um, is to raise money for 1,000 Bibles. I know here in the U.S., a lot of us have Bibles just sitting on our shelves. Um, We have multiple Bibles, but there they literally do not have hardly any Bibles. And so we believe the Word of God is really important. They believe the Word of God is really important. And so our goal this month is to raise a thousand Bibles. But what we wanted to do um, kind of in this video is just kind of show you a little bit about what it's like to go to South Asia, um, what it's like to pray about going, and then how God changes us and why it's important to ultimately partner uh, with South Asia. And so, you know, not everyone here is going to go. Not everyone has the ability to go. Um, But everyone has a call to be a part of the mission to go. And so whether you're going, whether you are helping support somebody, whether you are helping through praying, um, we all have a part to play. No one is exempt from this. And so I hope this video plays a part in just kind of uh, stirring your heart in different ways that you can be involved um, in our partnership in salvation. I went to South Asia because I knew that it was something God wanted me to do. Um, I didn't have like an audible voice that came down from heaven and told me like, Logan, you need to go to South Asia. But I felt that the Bible commanded us um, to share the gospel with people. Um, And I knew that I had not been overseas but once in my life. Um, And so I felt like God wanted me to go on the trip. And so I was obedient and I went. I went to South Asia because I had a burden in my heart 
for lost people, and I knew I needed to take that somewhere other than Cookville, um, because God's command is for us to go uh, to every tribe and tongue and nation to the ends of the earth. Uh, so I really wanted to take that to heart and go somewhere else with the gospel. So one way that God grew me was through sharing the gospel. Um, and I, when I got over there and just practicing for the, uh, the trip, I realized that I had not shared the gospel a lot um, with my friends here um, and with people that I knew in my classes. And the night before we went out, me and Logan Paris were sitting in our room and I was like, dude, I need, I need help. <laughs> like, uh, I need some practice to, um, to share with the Evangel Cube. And so we just sat in our room and I shared and he shared um, and we critiqued each other. And then the next day we went out um, and it was just really, really cool to see God um, speak through me uh, and use me, even though I was super nervous. After the first time we shared, it was, it was no problem at all. Um, it gave me a lot more confidence coming back to the United States to share with my friends here um, and students in my classes. It's important for First Baptist to partner in South Asia because we as Christians all have a part to play in fulfilling the Great Commission, whether that be the young, able-bodied men and women who can go physically to the country or whether you're not as able-bodied but financially able to send other people or whether you're a fantastic prayer warrior and you can pray for our brothers and sisters who are persecuted in these sorts of countries every single day and so they need they need our support in more ways than just us going they also need us to buy them Bibles and they need us to pray for them. Um, so we can all do something to support them in one way or another.